We are back here at the Predlines podcast. Uh, as usual, myself, Michael Wade, being joined by co-experts Corey Francis and George Matarangas. Corey, uh, you know, I always I don't know why, but I always, I always lead in here with some weather talk. It's been all over the place here in Nashville. We had 80 degrees, and then we had kind of tornadoes last night, which is a little wild. Um, other than that, though, how are you hanging in there? Doing all right, been enjoying a, a nice weekend. It was rather nice on Friday and Saturday with some good temps and everything. And yeah. but then yeah, last night got a little bit scary with the with the weather. But we're we're good and we're rocking and rolling here. Right on. And George, a uh, couple miles up north, how you doing? It's cold. It's still cold. Excited yeah. to for it not to be cold anymore. But you know, living the life, living doing life. things. Uh, no tornadoes, by my I shirt. guess. Yeah. Hey, that's good, right? I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's been a while since we uh, last did one of these episodes, which is uh, uh, my fault. I've been traveling around, but glad to be back. Glad to be uh, plugged back into Predators hockey. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster recently, but I'm uh, putting up some good results lately. Uh, just in the past week, the Preds have won four straight, uh, beating the Senators, the Red Wings, the Sharks, and then the Blues uh, on the Sunday morning game. One of the stranger puck drops I've ever seen, but uh, I won't complain. Uh, it's nice to have uh, a shutout win under your belt uh, before, you know, really lunchtime was over. So that was interesting. Um, and I'll admit, we, we can start with just uh, very briefly going over the Senators game, which I'll admit I did not even watch. Um, I was kind of in transit at the time. So um, I guess I'll just turn it over to Corey. If, you know, did you uh, follow this game at all? Anything that really stuck out to you? Obviously, Nashville getting the 5-2 victory, which is always good. Yeah, what, what stuck out to me was they finally were starting to get through on the power play. It seemed like instead of just doing the, the standard, uh, I know we've been kind of calling it the vanilla uh, drop pass back, it's been actually yeah. going a little maybe cutting ahead a little bit more. We're seeing... We saw Roman Yossi and Ryan Ellis both score uh, power play goals, which was nice seeing the uh, seeing the team cut through there. It had kind of been a weak spot for a while, and then um, Arvidsson, uh, I think he started a, a nice little streak there of scoring and, and uh, goals in three straight games. He didn't score today, unfortunately, but uh, he had <coughs> he had a good goal there. Uh, actually, two goals in that game, and, and that really started to kind of spark the offense a little bit more. I, th- I thought they played. Rather well. It wasn't a complete game, but they uh, they played rather well uh, in that game versus the Senators. So it's it's it was it was good. It was good to watch. Yeah, I'm just looking at, at kind of the stats breakdown. Anyway, it was pretty even as far as shot generation. <clears throat> Looks like both teams were pretty successful at getting chances, uh, kind of creating chances. Anyway, the Senators did have uh, did have the advantage in the high danger areas, but you know Nashville seems to make that sort of their. Uh, their strategy anyway just to let get outplayed in that area doesn't make a lot of sense to me but you know what they're getting the wins uh and have been for some time so it's hard to argue against it but as you said uh the power play has definitely been one of my biggest headaches this year Uh, one of my biggest gripes with this team is is just how predictable and and flat the power play really looks in spite of it being uh (laughs) as they still say the best home power play in the league which i have trouble believing but uh, yeah, like you mentioned, maybe changing it up a little bit later in the season and getting it done. And George, uh, anything you noticed from this Ottawa game? Uh, obviously, the Senators not not the uh, strongest of, of opponents this time of the year, but um, still good to get that win anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, my biggest takeaway was that Pekka is a better goaltender at the moment than Craig Anderson. Uh, just looking from the high danger chances, 
the Predators gave up 16, but got 11 of their own, which, like, 11's good. That's a good number to get, but you can't give up 16 in any given yeah. night and think that you're going to win. Uh, the only difference is that the Predators actually scored on two of their high-danger chances at 5-on-5, five five, whereas the Senators were blanked. So, yeah, uh, that's, that's pretty good. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you just, if you were to look at uh, the kind of this season breakdown of the Predators and not look at the scores of the games, you would really think they were getting out um, beaten in a lot of these games just with the, like you said, allowing 16 uh, five-on-five high-danger chances is usually not a recipe for victory. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. this team is sort of defying, as you said. I mean, it's, it's really just been the Pecorino show lately, um, putting up a, a well above average save percentage in that area, as well as UC Saros. So national goaltenders really getting it done. Um, the the next game is a rematch. I guess th- these were back to back games, I believe. Uh, a rematch against the Red Wings, who uh, kind of upset Nashville earlier in the week. This one I was a little more plugged into, but still not able to watch live. I know that the, the Preds were up, I think, 3-1 pretty late and then kind of let the Wings crawl back to, to just a one-goal defeat. Corey, obviously uh, nice to get, you know, the um, the revenge anyway, and, and, and it seemed like uh, Mrazek might have been the, the kryptonite for Nashville, and he had left between those games. So maybe the this version of the Red Wings Nashville has a little better luck against. But what did you uh, take away from this game? You know, that first period, it seemed like they came out, the Predators came out playing great hockey. Um, you know, they had, they won the shot battle. They, they were up on the high danger chances, eight to two, just in the first period and had two great goals uh, to start off the game, um, you know, with, um, oh, who scored the first one? Yeah, Hartnell and Turris. Both, I mean, to see Hartnell score in a few consecutive games here has been rather nice. And see Turris actually notch a goal as well for that second line. He's been kind of on a drought himself lately, finding the back of the net. But, you know, the first period they came out and they just kind of took control of the game. In the second and third period, they, they really allowed, uh, especially at five on five, they really allowed the um, – the Red Wings to, to really make a comeback. I mean, I think the, the second and third period, yeah, the second period, the Corsi for Corsi four for the Red Wings was a 62 and then a 60 in the third period at five on five. So it's just showing the, the opportunities that are going towards the net. And so the defense is letting um, the defense for the Predators was letting people get closer to the net high danger chances, four to four in the second period, six to four Red Wings in the third. So, really put some pressure on re, uh, on uh, the goaltending at the, that second game with Saros there. So, um, it, yeah, maybe they were tired, but it's still nice to have that win. Yeah, and it's kind of a, almost the opposite of the Senators game, and it was pretty even for a shot for kind of the possession numbers. Nashville got slightly outplayed at 5-on-5 five five just in terms of, of purely generating shots, uh, but in this case they did win the high-danger battle, so... You know, that's kind of the performance I would rather have. I, I don't mind allowing, um, you know, the shots from the perimeter and the blue line that, that rarely have a chance of getting in um, if they can try to shut down that, that high danger area. That's that's what I would rather see. But, um, you know, Nashville kind of showing us that they get it done regardless. Uh, and George, this uh, the second matchup against the Red Wings in that week, uh, anything you, you really that really grabbed your attention from that result? Uh, both teams weren't really playing great uh, defense, especially in front of the high danger areas. I mean, you take a look at the heat map, and the main difference is that the, the Predators actually had three goals from the high danger chance or high danger area, whereas the Red Wings only had two. Otherwise, I don't think that anyone really stuck out for me on the Predators. I thought Ryan Johansson had a good game, but not not a great one, uh, really. And I thought he stuck out or he stood out as one of the better players on 
on either team. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's a, I don't know. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of just a tough game for me to watch just cause I was, I felt like this was a game that the Predators should have just stomped the, the Red Wings and, and, and they let, they continually let them back in the game. Yeah. Uh, as, as usual, somewhat matching the skill level of their opponents. Um, but speaking of Predators stomping teams, uh, and, and we'll kind of speed it up here just so we can get to the, the trade deadlines kind of stuff. The two games I was able to watch this week were the, the 7-1 win against the Sharks. Of course, Pecorino picking up win number 300, becoming just the 34th NHL player to do so, and I believe the third winningest uh, finish goaltender of all time and, and closing in on, on even that number one spot. It's no uh, music to off. Yes. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Um, the Sharks kind of showed some signs of life in the second. I think the, <laughs> the closest the game came to, yes, yeah, so George, our resident Sharks fan, is going to scoff at anything I try to compliment the Sharks with. Um, uh, bringing the, the margin of loss down to t- uh, just one goal, but then Nashville just f- uh, opened the floodgates in the third period, putting up 7-1 to one, uh, as a final score. It's really hard to criticize anything about this performance. I think Pecorini did have to make some pretty... Uh, sort of uh, deceivingly very good saves. A lot of deflections uh, coming right in front of net that he was able to react quickly enough and, and get the glove on or the pads. So Rene did did very well to earn that that 300th win, I believe. Uh, offensively, his everything Nashville tried worked. It, it just all clicked, um, which is is very rare to see and and also very nice to see some very beautiful goals. Uh, everyone, kind of almost everyone on the team, it seemed like getting up on the score sheet. I believe. Every single player on the Predators re- registered a shot on goal, um, and very nearly all of them re- registered a point. So uh, it's nice to see the whole team uh, chipping in and getting it done. Uh, Corey, maybe just one thing you took away from this uh, blowout against the Sharks. Every player on the Predators team had a shot, and only the, uh, the fourth line and Kyle Turris plus the last defensive pairing. So I think you know the, the first line, the second line, all the third line, the first two pairings of defense – all had some sort of point. So it's yeah. almost a total team contribution. Yeah. And it, it seems like once, you know, when everyone on the team is, is plugged in and, and focused, I mean, this team is pretty damn near unbeatable. Uh, the Sharks, you know, they, they've kind of been a little iffy this year. They're definitely on the decline as far as uh, kind of a, a broader look at, at their past seasons. Uh, but still, I believe, second overall in the uh, Pacific Division which is uh, sort of a strange strange one this year with Vegas off to the races. But uh, anyway, always always good to beat the Western Conference opponents, especially the ones that are, are up in the playoff hunt. And George, uh, <laughs> without being too critical of your San Jose Sharks, uh, maybe one thing you took away from this one. It's really weird. Over the past few years, whenever I think about the San Jose Sharks or I hear their name or whatever, I hear like those opening chords from Hurt by Johnny Cash. And I think that perfectly describes like how I felt about this game where I, after this, after like 10 minutes into the third period, I just kind of stopped like watching. I, I turned on uh, the avalanche and Oilers, I think, which I was like, oh, this game kind of sucks too. But uh, yeah, um, from what I saw from, from this game, it was, it was really good. The Predators played great. Um, they limited the Sharks to, to only chances to the outside they continually got uh, high danger chances. I believe that they had like eleven, um, but they had one, two, three, four, five goals from the slot or lower, uh, in at five on five even strength. So that's five out of the seven from that from that high danger area, which is you know exactly what you want. Uh, and they played 
if they play like this for the rest of the season into the playoffs, I mean, they might win the cup in uh, in sixteen games. You know, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were just incredible. Uh, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah. I otherwise the players that I really liked the most uh, at the fourth line was on fire. PK Subban was having another dominant night. Watching him and Mark Edward Vlasic go back and forth playing defense was really fun to watch, especially just as a, a pair of shutdown defenders. Um, yeah, uh, I thought the the Jofa line kind of got shut down by Vlasic, but it was that's pretty much what happened to the coach line by by Subban. So it was just it was a fun kind of nerdy game to watch. Yeah, especially for Mark Edward Edward Vlasic's number one fan, which is of course you, George Matarangas. Yep. Uh, and then earlier, uh, as we're recording on Sunday evening, earlier today, the, uh, the Blues in town on national television, on real NBC, which I thought when I was looking around the channels, I thought uh, maybe they someone had messed up and, and not actually aired the game. But uh, then I discovered, shockingly, it was on uh, big boy NBC. So always nice to put up a performance like that. Uh the crowd often drowning out uh, the commentary, which is always fun. And, of course, the uh, uh, Pecorino getting win number 301 with a uh, – is that his ninth shutout, I believe, of the year? Um, six. No, I was – maybe yeah. I'm combining here. <laughs> so wow. Was, yeah, that's yeah, a I lot. was going to say, as I said that, I was like, man, that would be really incredible. Right, six shutout. Thank you. Uh, and the Blues, of course, who are really faltering, kind of dropping like a stone down the, the central standings, but still – um, you gotta you gotta put up wins against your central division opponents. Um, really, not much to say about this one. I thought it was a, a 100% complete effort from Nashville. It seemed like from the initial puck drop, they were on the gas. I think they put up um, like 10 shots on goal before St. Louis even had two. So that kind of start to the game um, and getting uh, the two two goal lead early in the first is is definitely. Um, always good to, as far as kind of demotivating uh, the opponent. So, Corey, uh, anything you anything negative to say about this game, or was kind of like me, or are you are you all positive about the shutout? I'm, I'm rather positive. I just noticed in the last few games, the Predators have been being called for a few more penalties. I'll have to clean that up. I think there's a yeah, couple yeah. iffy calls today, um, but all in all, this was a, a rather complete game from the entire team. They, every player wound up with a Corsi four over 55% at the end of the day and five on five high danger chances, nine to four. I mean, they were really executing and then really shutting down the offense for the, for the blues today. Yeah. And funny you mentioned the penalties. I've noticed that uh, Philip Forsberg seems to be running, making his bid for penalty minutes leader. Um, not sure what that's about, but I think that was his second or third game in a row taking two penalties, two minor penalties. So not sure what's going on there. Um, like you said, some of the calls are a little iffy. I thought the calls against Nashville were fine, but I think they missed a lot of, um, against the Blues. So um, obviously didn't have a, a real impact in the, on the final score. George, anything negative to say about this one or – is it all, uh, all, uh, what, what's, I don't even know of a phrase, all smiles. There you go. Uh, I, I thought that the third pairing was a little weak at times, especially in the corners. Um, the Predators, despite that one really good goal, uh, from Colton Sissons on the power play, their, their break in looked a little weak. Um, and I think the only time that they actually, when they did get that goal, uh, it was because it was a broken play and, that pass behind didn't work, and so they they tried to they improvised and I think made a pass forward across the ice and you know surprise it worked. Yeah, um, right. it's not rugby; you can pass forward. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I, I I really liked it. Um, Predators got to the high danger areas. 
good for good for Jern Croak to get another uh, get another primary assist, and good for Hartnell to not make a kicking motion. Yeah, uh, right. I I yeah. didn't believe that was going to count till it did. So that was nice. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, uh, good for good for Austin Watson too. That fourth line was on fire today. They were they were everywhere. I yeah. love. I've really I've loved Saw Mackey and Austin Watson since they were put together, but uh Colton Sissons has also been playing well over the past five games or so and he was like he was the guy that I said you know, if if and when uh Fisher comes back, you know, I think he should take Sissons' place, but now I'm not so sure that Hart, or that uh Fisher should be taking anyone's place. So Yeah. I'm curious. Not with the way they've been playing lately. Um Yeah. Yeah, and, and Austin Watson putting up his fourth goal out of eight total against uh, St. Louis this year. So, and, and his second uh, on the shorthanded situation. So Austin Watson really has Jake Allen's number. I really don't know why Allen didn't come out on that shot. Yeah, that was weird. I, I mean, he sh- I, if, if maybe he wasn't, um, he didn't realize that it was Austin Watson coming at him. Because if I had, I would have been like, oh, I got... This will take ages. I can yeah. skate out and get this. Um, I, I just kind of watched the puck slowly trickle closer to the crease, and I was like, where the heck is Allen? I feel like he should come out for that. And uh, um, not not exactly a highlight reel shot, but obviously Watson getting it done. Always nice to see. Um, and then just to talk more about, uh, more about the uh, kind of the, the more pressing situation is, is we're now within 24 hours of the uh, trade deadline this year. Nationals made a couple moves already. Uh, most notably, Pontus Arberg is going up to Edmonton, um, and uh, Nashville gets Columbus's fourth-round pick next year. So uh, a little bit of uh, a three-way trade action going in. Uh, Nashville now has seven draft picks next year, I believe, uh, assuming they don't make any more moves um, regarding next year's draft. But as it sits now, they're they're set up really nicely for next year's draft, which is great. Um, and kind of rare, I would say, for a, a real cup contender. And then uh, I'm gonna have to try to pronounce these names. Is it Grosnick? Yeah, Is that correct. Okay, Grosnick and Bolig uh, <laughs> trading a, a sixth round pick. So I guess now that well, no, now they would have seven or six anyway. Trading hmm. a sixth round pick for Grosnick and Bolig. That one's definitely more of a, a an AHL deal. I'm going to impact the Milwaukee Admirals much more than the National Predators, you'd think. Although maybe it's uh, you could argue that that's they're preparing for a move um, that would include some AHL players, but we will see. Uh, so as it sits now, Eric Carlson is not a member of the National Predators. Uh, Rick Nash will not be a member of the National Predators. Um, who else? Uh, who else is out there that uh, maybe Thomas, Hoffman? Thomas Placanic. He, he yes. moved to the right, to right, right. Um, so uh Corey, i'll just ask you and and i hope that we can get this this episode out before the trade deadline but do you think uh any more moves are pending or or is david poyle closing the book on this one i'm not going to say david poyle's closing the book on this one because we never know i don't think he ever closes the book i don't think ever I, I, I i don't know if he ever will um but i don't see any real effort after seeing that uh, Nash trade and how much it cost for a rental. Yes. Yeah. I, I don't think he's going to be going out there trying to add um, anybody off this point in time. I mean, and really, you know, I listen, I listen to uh, national radio um, in the morning is a good portion. And, and uh, one of the shows was talking about if you have this team and it's already the best team in the division, allegedly, of course, Winnipeg's there as well. We'll talk about that later too. But if you have this team and it's already considered a really, 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 really good team, 
and you're looking at adding a piece that's a front line, you know, defenseman or a first, you know, a first line forward. Why would you want to add that piece when it could just disrupt your team? You already have all this stuff built the way it is, and it's working really well right now. Why move it? So I, I wouldn't be surprised if another move happens, but I really think that it's move Aberg off the, uh, off the contract list so they can have room for Fisher to sign and move forward. Yeah, um, I guess really I, sh- I should mention the only other name that's really been linked with the Predators is Evander Kane, whose things have kind of gone quiet. Um, surrounding him, but I think maybe today, earlier today or yesterday, I saw, um, I can't remember if it was, it was Drager or Kiprios or one of those guys um, tweeting out that, that that name was definitely circulating around uh, Nashville. So we'll see. Maybe maybe a, a kind of a last-minute trade will come for a, a more, and, and I'd say a player like Kane, obviously not not just going to talk only about um, him, but of you know of that kind of quality would probably fit more on the, the bottom six forwards. Which, like you were saying, you know, the top top six are, are I think, perfectly fine. They, they're producing well. Um, doesn't seem to be any real need to, to add. And even if it's a, a pretty good name, um, you might might not want to fix what's not broke. So, um, still some time left, obviously, for, for a big big move. I don't think they'll get Carlson, although uh, it sounds like David Poyle has not been shying away from that possibility, which is great. Um whether he's, as they say, whether he's just driving up the price for opponents or if he was actually curious. I, I imagine he was he was legitimately trying to see about Carlson coming down to Nashville. Um, and, George, are, are you kind of in agreement that, that they're going to let things lie or, or are they going to, you think they're going to really press the issue here in the last 24 hours or so? I think they'll probably let things lie, as is. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't see them making a move. I think... If they had the opportunity to get Carlson, I think they absolutely should. But I, it's the asking price is so much just as it is. I don't see them doing that, especially because it's definitely going to be Tolvanen or Fabro going the other way. And you know, uh, I don't know. That'd be that'd be a lot to ask for. I, don't know, I I had the I had the really dumb thought the other day of you know Tolvanen and, and Fabro just for Tavares straight up and just have that and then have him as a rental for for a year and then try and sign him or get him, yeah. get him to sign as part of the part of the deal. But oh, that'd be fun. Uh, you know, get Fiala another play driving center instead of Torres, who's kind of more of a passenger. But that, that's what it is. I don't know. I don't. The Predators are really high on their own prospects, and I don't blame them for it. I think Fabro's at this point more NHL ready and more valuable than Tolvanen is. Um, I also think Fabro will probably project to be a little bit higher than than Tolvanen's ceiling is, but that's just my personal preference and taste in defense. Um, yeah, I'm a little curious. Um, I I don't know. I think I don't think anything happens, but I think the Predators should be heavily in on uh, Eric Carlson because. If he goes to Tampa, I don't know. Just just call it already. Yeah, you got to think that's a tough a tough <laughs> a tough team to face in a seven game series. Um, already, pretty much the the most productive offensive group, uh, maybe Boston, but up there definitely Tampa. And uh, adding the best defenseman in the world would uh, certainly not hurt things over there in Tampa. They'd have um, two of the, the top three defensemen in the world. It'd be yeah. nuts. Uh, and Nashville obviously already already has as as a lot of people are you know with Carlson I think people around Nashville seem to be very hot on kind of what the team already has I think personally you'd have to be nuts to not take a Carlson trade if it came onto your table um, mm. but I understand well, well, here, you know, let, let me ask you this 
I'm asking both y'all. Um, for Carlson, you trade Ellis, Carrier, a first and a second. What what are you what are you doing? Corey, take over here. Yes. When are those first and seconds? Are you talking? Uh, I guess the second would have to be 2019 at this point in time because I don't think they have a second next year in 2000. Oh, it should be this year. Yeah. Um, gosh, I really like Ellis. I think he just fits the character of this team so well, and I would hate to give up a player like that. But then you're talking about. You know, the possibility of having one of the best players in the league on your roster. Could he make I don't know if I don't know if I pull the trigger just because I I know I can lock up Ellis here in the next year or two, a little bit more longer term, probably for less money. And I think he fits the character of Nashville, he fits the character of the team so well that mm-hmm. uh, losing him would be a major disadvantage to the team. Well and now we gotta discuss how much do you think Ellis will get re signed for? Oh gosh, let's see. Ellis is right now at two point five. I would say he's, <laughs> he's probably going to get. I mean, he doesn't get like a four point five. Oh no, he's getting more. I mean, he's he's uh, probably going to get more than that. I'm just, yeah. but I'm trying to think if it, to stay here. Um, you've got Ekholm tied up for three point seven five the next five years or for the next four years. He probably deserves a little bit more than that. Uh, yeah, he's probably going to get closer to five and a half, six, isn't he? Yeah, especially if the cap it goes up the way a lot of people think it will, which is going to be $5 million this year and then possibly around the same next year. I, I predict uh, Ellis is probably going to get around six. Maybe if he, if he hits the open market, I think he might get a little bit more. Um, but here's the, here's the issue is if Ellis gets six and PK is getting nine, Yossi's probably going to get somewhere around nine, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe a little more. It depends if he hits the open market. And at that point, are you going to want to commit? What is that? Nine plus nine plus eight or nine plus six, fifteen plus another eight. Let's let's be conservative and say Yossi makes eight million. That's that's what like twenty three million dollars just in the in your top three. Yeah, and right now all eight defensemen are combining for twenty four million. Yeah. Whereas, whereas what what happens to Carlson is, and this is this is what's going to suck is, you get him for two playoff runs, and then he's probably gone. Then you, you probably lose him. Right. So no matter what you, I mean, unless you unless you sign Ellis, you're going to lose a player in two years anyway. Two playoff runs. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just. I, I like the way Ellis plays. I like the way he plays with this with this team. You know, when he play this way on on a Senators team or on another team, I don't know. I, I just think his the way his style and his character just matches the philosophy and the attitude of Nashville, not just the team but the city so well. Um, I wouldn't. I, I actually wouldn't. I would think he would take a little bit less money to stay here, especially if he if it meant keeping Yossi in, in line as well. Um, I don't know. I just have a different feeling about it. I'm definitely mm. less <clears throat> eager to trade a roster pieces, even for a guy like Carlson. I think my my opinion of, I mean, I know Tolvanen is obviously like the the forbidden fruit as far as uh, trading away. As if you ask me, there to me, there's there's no value in looking back on this team in ten years and saying, man, that team was really good for like four years, but they didn't win a cup. 
you know, the, the, it doesn't matter how good you are long term if you're not if you're not going to win a cup. Then then what was really the point all along, other than providing some entertaining hockey along the way? I say yeah. if yeah. you have an opportunity to land a guy like Carlson, who is one of the one of the few players that for the Nashville Predators who are already a very good roster, one of the few players that like immediately and substantially improves their playoff uh, their their cup winning chances. I'd say go all in. I'm a, as far as Ellis. I'm obviously one of these three guys. I would say uh, Yossi Ekholm and Ellis. Um, I guess Ekholm signed for a bit longer. So, but one of these national defensemen is going to be gone um, in the next three four years. You would have to think. Um, I would say hang on to what you have now. Add to it if you can. If you don't have to lose a roster piece and you can really add, go for it. Um, and I would say I'd, I'd be willing to mortgage. Tolvin and who I'm not I'm kind of like George yes he's great he's a steal at number 30 but everything you've seen from him this year has been on much bigger ice and he is not a physical big dude he's he's got a really nice shot really good release but you need room to get that off suddenly cramming him onto an NHL size rink with some very very high quality defensemen looking right at him um, I don't think Tolvin is going to be the all-star this year that everyone seems to expect um, but I could be wrong. But I, yeah, I'm. I I would be a much happier trading uh, Tolden and Fabro and maybe a, a second or a first for Carlson. I mean, you'd probably have to trade a first. Like, yeah, it is Eric Carlson. As, as I, yeah, I, and, I would agree. And here's, the, I mean, Tampa Bay. From what I've heard, their their uh, their package looks something like, uh, you know, their package looks something like either Braden Point or Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, or Alex Radish, or I think Cicerelli, and then a first on top of that. Like, there's, I don't know, there's, the, the asking price is big, but this is the biggest fish that's ever been on the trade deadline. Like, this yeah, is the biggest absolutely. get ever. And so it kind of makes a little sense. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of like the reason why the Predators made that move today with uh, with the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Oilers was... Not only to get rid of uh, to, to get rid of Auberg, but also just making sure that um, that Winnipeg doesn't get Mark Letestu, who they were heavily in on. And if Letestu goes to Winnipeg, that offense just automatically gets better and more defensively responsible, which is not something you want if you're going to be facing them in in the playoffs at some point, which the Predators yeah. probably will. And so, if you can keep if you can get Carlson in Nashville, as much as he adds to your team, he also takes that away from. Uh, from Tampa, which again, that won't matter to the last round. But would you rather look over and see Victor Hedman and Anton Strallman, or would you rather look over and see Victor Hedman and Eric Carlson? And that's, I mean, obviously this goes without saying, but that's the other um, kind of angle to this. Is not necessarily what the Predators need, but what the opponent, their potential Cup opponents or playoff opponents, will end up with. Um, obviously, we've seen some moves already involving teams like Toronto and Boston, who are um, some of the, the heavy hitters out east. As far as Western teams, you know, I, I sort of thought we'd see more of a buying mentality from St. Louis. They picked up Soshnikov uh, uh, maybe a week or so ago. Um, and I would, you know, but they've lost, what, six games straight now? And they're out actually currently out of the playoff spot. Yeah. Um, and they were so, heavily they were heavily rumored to be involved with uh, uh, Hoffman out of Ottawa, right? And so that was you know all that was I was thinking that St. Louis is really going to be the dangerous team and is 
they felt like maybe they were on the cusp and, and they needed to make some big moves to become a real contender. And that would have obviously you would you would expect that to um, kind of be an obstacle for Nashville, although now it's looking like maybe not. Um, so with with St. Louis out of the way, I guess we can ask, and, and I'll pose the question to you guys: is in in the Central Division, probably looking at Winnipeg um, and maybe some of the, the teams on the cusp. Uh, George, I guess who do you see maybe making a move in the next day um, from the Central Division that Nashville should really be worried about? I don't really see the Jets making a move. Uh, Kevin Sheldayov has is like known for his inability, or not his inability, his inactiveness at the trade deadline and just trading it all. I think in the four years they've been there, all he's only trades he's ever made was the uh, the Meyer for a Vander Kane deal that also brought like I, I can't even remember the other players that, that were brought in, but it was like it, there were picks and prospects at the time, and that that's really it. And so it kind of made sense that he was only ever after um, Latesto, but because it probably it wasn't going to be a big get. Like as we saw, the I you know they the Oilers only ever got Aberg back. I don't even know who they would have gotten back from uh, who they would have gotten back from a uh, from the from the Winnipeg Jets. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't see anyone. I don't see the Jets really making a trade. I also think though beyond the Central, you have to look at who's also gearing up and. We we mentioned Ottawa, Ottawa earlier, but you know, guess who they just traded their number one center to? Freaking Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, right. Derek Broussard, who puts up first line numbers, whether it's in fancy stats or just plain old you know normal stats, uh, he's a first line center, and now he's going to be playing on that third line with probably yeah. uh, probably Haglin and and uh, Phil Kessel again. They're going to remake the HBK line. Yeah, and I'd sort of slipped into I I wasn't thinking a whole lot about Pittsburgh. When I think of Eastern Conference teams, I think of probably Tampa, Toronto, and Boston are kind of the front runners, um, all out of the Atlantic Division. But when you look at the Metro, obviously, yeah, I think the Broussard edition um, makes you look uh, take a deeper look at this Penguins team. Having a a player like that on your third line is is ridiculous, especially for the Penguins who are not short on uh, top-tier centers, obviously. Um, so, I don't know. I think that now now when you look at the potential of Nashville and Pittsburgh having a rematch um, in the Cup Final, both teams have gotten better since last year, I would say. Um, Pittsburgh, obviously, if you ask me, they're one Matt Murray injury away from being like pretty much not even worth considering. Um, I think uh, their their goal differential is still relatively low. I think because of how bad they had an issue with backups earlier in the year. Um, so Corey, do you think Pittsburgh is is with with the new addition, um, Broussard addition? Do you think Pittsburgh is now kind of the front runner out east? Is it maybe most likely to meet a team like Nashville in the in the Cup final, or or do you have your eyes still on maybe Tampa Bay or someone else? I never count out the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, yeah, that's smart. I, 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 you just can't. I mean, I know they don't. I know they're down to pretty much one goalie at this point in time. But you know, at the beginning of the season, they were just they were just horrible. Well, let's see. I mean, they, they, their goal differential was really low. Now they're up plus nineteen, which is actually the best in their in their division. Um, and they went on a win streak of let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games. 
And before that, they lost a game, won a game. They had another win streak of four games. So they're really 10 and four in their last 14 games. Uh, and one of those games was a shootout. One of, the, one of the losses was a shootout. So really, they, they've been playing really good hockey for the last several weeks, ever since we got to February. And uh, coming on strong in that second half of the season, you just can't count, you can't discount that team from anything when it comes to playoff time. Now, does that mean they're going to sweep everything all the way to the, the Stanley Cup final? No. Uh, Toronto's still pretty good. Boston's gotten a lot better. Philadelphia's come out of nowhere, and they're now second in their division. Um, it, it, it's going to be a, a dogfight in the East. Yeah, we were. I was talking about Philadelphia quite recently, actually, because they're just the strangest team as far as consistency. It's like they'll win ten straight and then lose ten straight immediately after. But so I was a little surprised to see them climbing so high in the Metro, sitting second right now uh, with a game in hand on uh, on Pittsburgh. Um, and the Metro is it's spreading out a little bit, but you still just got um, like a ten point gap between first and fifth in the Metro. Uh, the, the Atlantic is is set. Um, it's it's Tampa, Toronto, and Boston, and then you expect five teams to come out of the Metro because uh, the rest of the Atlantic is pretty bad. Um, I th- a team that I would think maybe as far as trade li- trade deadline is concerned, I think I don't know. I, w- I wonder if you would see anything from Minnesota or Dallas, who are now now with the Blues kind of crashing and burning. Um, the Wild and Stars are, are up there now in the conversation, and and but you got to think when you look at those rosters, compare them to like the Jets and the Predators, for example. You you got to think that they need to add some pieces if they really plan to go far. Um, so, George, do you think maybe a team like that would would make some moves? Obviously, maybe not such a high profile move as a, as a Carlson or a Hoffman or those types, but maybe something to bolster these these rosters before tomorrow afternoon. Dallas uh, was originally uh, reported to be in on Rick Nash, and the move was kind of there. Him, he played under uh, Ken Hitchcock, who's the coach now. Back when he was, um, back when Hitchcock was the coach back over in Columbus. Otherwise, um, I don't think I think that was kind of the only one that Dallas was in on. They don't. I don't think they have a ton of cap room to make moves with, and uh, you know, I think if anything, they need defense. Their offense is still prolific. Um, Otherwise, I know that the the Minnesota Wild were making moves today. They waived Chris Stewart, who I think is an NHL player. You know, he's a third liner, fourth liner at best, but he's still an NHL player. But that was mostly to bring in like uh, Luke Kunin and uh, Colin Greenway uh, after their after their college years, or after I know Greenway's in college. I think Kunin's still in the NHL, but uh, after you know to bring them up once once the postseason started, uh, Colin Greenway was just part of the USA Olympic team, and I thought he was fine at least. You know. He wasn't great, but I think he'll he'll probably do okay on a third or fourth line uh, this season at NHL. So I think that uh, the Wild are more more committed to promoting from within, which is smart. Uh, that Parise and Suter contract are just killing them. So I don't really think they have a ton of money to move around at the moment. And uh, I don't know. I would say just I think as a as a person who follows the Predators primarily, I've I've really only been paying attention to the Jets. Um, in the central core, do you think that? I guess the the main concern I've had, and and the reason I I'm, tend to be overly critical of some of the the um, perceived weaknesses from this Predators team is I'm I'm just very worried that they'll get to the postseason, which obviously is what they've kind of been waiting for all year, and then kind of crash and burn and and really be upset early on in in the first couple of rounds. So, 
Um, at this point, do you see Nashville, do you think that they, they're turning it on at the right time of the year, or, or are they still a little too inconsistent to predict um, how they're how deep they're going to run? Obviously, we're kind of taking a, a, f- a very deep run for granted here, and that's um, not something you should always rely on. But uh, I guess how far do you, do you see this Predators team going with the current roster? Well, now that they've turned the proverbial switch on, I mean, that's what we heard for the last, that during that stretch of overtime games where everything was just kind of mediocre. Even Chris Mason was, you know, saying on broadcast, yeah, they, you know, they get to that third period and they can just flip the switch. I'm like, I hate that thing. I hate that phrase because you shouldn't just flip a switch. But apparently they flipped whatever switch is there and yeah. decided the last couple of games to play real team hockey. Like, you know they're, they're shutting down the the slots a little bit better. They're getting everybody to contribute, getting to the net and shooting and, and trying to get uh, in the high danger areas and converting. They, uh, you know, they're doing they're doing pretty well. I think they're geared up for a long a deep run if they can keep uh, Pecorine and UC Soros from having to save them every game. Um, the thing is, you're going to face a team like the Winnipeg Jets that are just phenomenal at scoring and getting into those areas. So, you know, and I look to the Jets, I wouldn't be surprised if they made some sort of move for some extra defense. I I don't know if they really need that much defense. They're getting some great goaltending as well, but I think they're set. I think the Predators set for that, for that run to the, to the Stanley cup final again this year. If, if they can get by Winnipeg, that's my, that's my main focus right now. I I think that's, uh, I think they'll be in good shape. Yeah, obviously, I guess the team that we're just really not doing any any service to right now is is Vegas, who currently <laughs> leading the Western Conference, and you'd think that 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 alone should make them kind of the, um, I don't know, the hill that Nashville needs to climb. But I, I'm still just, I don't know. Maybe I'll say this to my grave. I'm just not convinced by <laughs> Vegas. Um, they seem to have all the production that they need, and all the numbers say they're great. But I feel like in a in a playoff race, maybe not so much. Well, and they and the thing with Vegas is they've got great goaltending from Mark Andre Fleury. Yeah, I mean, he's he he's going to be and they score a lot. And I mean, they've played really great. They've played they've played good hockey almost all season long, and it's been a spectacular story. At some point, I know I've been using that phrase all day long, haven't I? Um, they at some point in time, the the magic I think is going to wear off. I think when it comes to playoff time, is they're going to get tested a little bit more. And I, you know, I think a team like Winnipeg or Nashville. I mean, I really, I really think it comes down to three teams in the West. It's going to be Vegas, Winnipeg, and Nashville. I think those are the yeah, three, I the three teams true. to look at. Um, only reason why I say we focus on Winnipeg right now because is we have three games left with them on the season, and uh, that's going to be crucial for any hopes of getting home home ice of any sort uh, when it comes to uh, the last two rounds of of the uh, playoffs. In the you know for the conference final and for the semifinals. Yeah, and I didn't realize. I, I thought maybe one or two. I didn't realize they still had to play them three times. And the home ice advantage, I think, would would on its own make this year's playoffs have a completely different identity from last year. Um, I mean, there's there's just no doubt that Nashville plays better at home. They seem a lot of the time they seem completely unbeatable at home. So it would be very interesting to see them have that advantage throughout. Um, hopefully they they'll. they'll Hopefully, in in the deeper playoff run, they'll make. Uh, George, are we wrong about not not uh, giving Vegas any respect, as it were? Or do you think that they're they're the real deal or not? Uh, I I don't know anymore. 
I, yeah, that's all right. <laughs> I, I just I feel so beaten and bruised by this team. I just I don't know. I thought I knew something about hockey, and then I watched these guys play <laughs> and win. Um, I don't think they're going to get anyone, but you know, they as I look over all the picks and prospects that they have, you know who they would uh, you know who they could sign as well as you know the cap space that they have uh, a certain Eric Carlson. Yeah, I'm a little surprised that they wouldn't go all in on him, but I just I wonder. George McPhee hasn't really tipped his you know tipped his hat, his hand about what he what he what he is. Are they real playoff contenders? Are they just going to go in and you know play with house money, or are they going to try to rebuild? And clearly, I don't at this point in time. I don't think they're going to try and rebuild because they haven't traded anyone away. And especially, I imagine you could fetch a pretty penny for guys like. Uh, Eric Halla, Cody Eakin, Riley Smith, or even like William Carlson. Uh, oh my God, that guy. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, I I guess they're just going to play with house money, which I don't think is the right move. If you're going to go to the playoffs, go to the playoffs and try to win, uh, especially when you're in first place in your division. Just because, well, I think I've said this before, but you know, cup windows are fleeting, and you have to strike while the iron's hot and. The iron can go cold surprisingly fast. You know, just talk to Chicago about that. Yeah, um, same same with me as far as just like kind of shaking my head at this team. I kept I keep waiting for the bottom to drop out, and it just doesn't seem like it's going to. Uh, I think honestly, their very convincing success is actually the worst thing that could have happened to them. I think everyone was expecting them to be pretty weak, um, and then be able to kind of establish the fan base and then start building a team and and maybe use uh you know be a buyer but now they're very much not uh they've kind of just flipped that entire narrative i think if i george mcphee kind of like you i would i would be selling i would say you know what this is a taste of what's to come but i don't think we have the roster yet um they like you said i mean as far as doing a rebuild or i guess a build as it were they pretty much already have the pieces. They have tons of draft picks coming up, mm. and, and high draft picks as well. Um, but I would, yeah, I'm, I, this isn't definitely would not be the fan favorite move out there. But I would say, um, you know, this is a taste of what's to come in a, in a few years. We're gonna we're gonna try this again with, with a much stronger roster, top to bottom, and uh, and really go for it. But it seems like they're just gonna keep riding this wave as long as it'll take them. Also, um, why why would they help out the Penguins like they did? Oh my God, I know they took two million dollars on Derek Brassard for two years. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah, well, it's like uh, you know, sort of like Arizona helping Chicago out. It's just some of these teams, everyone just lines up to give a hand, and <laughs> it's infuriating for everyone else. Um, but anyway, I, I I still think that I mean, Nashville and Vegas have had some like truly epic games this year. It's proven that that they can be a very tough opponent for the Predators, but I still just, again, the way Nashville's been playing recently, it's hard to imagine anyone beating them in a seven-game series, um, let alone the the expansion team, right? Um, So anyway, I'm feeling much better. Pretty much two weeks ago, if you'd asked me about these playoffs, I was still probably thinking maybe a second-round exit for Nashville, but... Um, I mean, with the the wins against the Sharks and the Blues, if you play like that against anyone, I mean, you're not going to win by four to six goals, but I think you're going to win a whole lot of hockey games. So, um, 
I'm much, yeah, I'm feeling much better about the Predators' chances lately, and, and hopefully they'll kind of continue this trend. Although I, I'm with you, Corey, I don't really like the notion of waiting until a certain point of the season to actually start playing. Um, but it seems like maybe, you know, maybe getting getting in as the eighth seed and then making it to the Cup final is the worst thing for them because now they're like, well, what does the regular season even matter? Um, just got to fall into the playoffs and, and make it happen there. But if it works, it works. Um, you can't yeah. criticize it, really. Um, yeah, so I guess just to sum up as far as the trade deadline, I don't think any of us are really expecting Nashville to make a big move um, before tomorrow afternoon. It wouldn't. I mean, I guess we've been surprised before. Uh, Poyle seems to be, you know, as much as I make fun of people for kind of <laughs> taking it a little too far, I think he is a very good GM. I don't understand the wizardry that people, um, for pretty much every small step he takes, it's like uh, people freak out. But that said, he's he's proven that he can make these very good deals pretty late on, so maybe we'll see it. Um, as it stands, I think Nashville has the pieces they need to win. Although Pittsburgh, as we've discussed, has, has recently made themselves a much stronger opponent, so we'll see. Uh, wouldn't it be? Wouldn't it just be awesome to lose in the Cup final to the freaking Penguins again, huh? <laughs> um, mostly, I just don't want to be denied the chance of the, the the Tampa Predator series, which is what I've been waiting for literally all year. Is that Cup final series between the Lightning and Preds? Um, as far as let's, uh, you know, I guess there's still a lot of regular season hockey left to play. As far as the upcoming week, it's a it's a pretty long road trip for Nashville. Um, lots of traveling up up in Winnipeg on Tuesday. Um, that that is definitely a game to watch. Uh, certainly the two Central Division front runners and and really the two two of the front runners from the whole Western Conference facing off. Uh, and then over to the Oilers on Thursday. So. Get to see the the return of Pontesauber to ice to the ice against Nashville um, in Vancouver on Friday and then in Colorado on Sunday. So as far as this Jets game, I would predict I'm just gonna I'm gonna be the the buzzkill here and say Winnipeg wins this one. You know, along the lines of three one or four two. Corey, what do you think? Um, I'm actually probably going to go along with you on that one and say they actually win uh, four to three in a shootout. Oh man, go all in on the prediction. I like it. Yeah, so, uh, they, they, their offense is just too. Their offenses are good and they play extremely well at home. Yeah, and, and George, or what do you think about this Jets matchup? Uh, I actually have three to two in overtime for the Jets. My gosh, you guys are like really into the specific predictions. Okay. I just, I think, I don't know, eh, whatever. Uh, I like the Jets more, I guess. I just don't. I think, I think Pecorino has been playing very well recently, and I don't necessarily think he's going to give up more than two or three goals. But I've been very wrong before, yeah. so who knows? Every time I think of Winnipeg, I just think of like massive players, and they, I think they, I don't know if this is factually true, but it seems like they probably have the biggest roster in the NHL. I feel like that might be true. I may have seen that. Um, when you watch them play, they just look enormous. And when Nashville lets themselves get into the physical chippy games, they tend to not win them. Um, I liked against St. Louis, who tends to be more physical. Uh, they, today, they just ignored that entire aspect of the game and and kind of skated circles around them. And I hope that maybe they'll do that against the Jets. But the Jets are, I would say, objectively a much stronger opponent than St. Louis. So, um We'll see. That is a very important game to win, I would say. Uh, not so much as the the next two, which obviously later on, uh, closer to the, the playoffs. But 
anytime you face um, your divisional rival, especially on their ice, I mean, that's a huge, huge game as far as implications in the postseason. So I hope Nashville can pull it off. Uh, an overtime loss would not be the worst thing in the world, um, grabbing a point on the road, especially as looking down the road on, on this um, series of games. I mean, the Jets, is, Jets are easily the strongest opponent they'll play this week, so even, a, even an overtime loss would be okay there. Um, next up in Edmondson uh, on Thursday night, the Oilers just, uh, I guess they've been playing better lately, um, but... I mean, they've, they've, they've missed their chance this year for sure. So um, McDavid will be angry and playing well. Um, Talbot's been all right lately, I think. I actually don't know that. I, I, I'm a Talbot fan now because of his um, his statement on goaltender interference, which I can't repeat on this podcast. But, uh, Corey, your prediction for this Oilers matchup? Uh, my prediction is that we see Mike Fisher play real hockey for the first time oh, with the fourth how line. Did I forget about that. Play with the fourth line. It's going to be Salamaki. No, it's going to be, excuse me, it's going to be Sissons, Fisher, and uh, Watson on that third line. Or fourth line, excuse me. We're going to see him play against Edmonton. Wow. I, yeah, I, I completely spaced on that possibility. I think that Fisher's first game will probably be a home game, and I'm not. I just think that he'll feature as a as a bit of a service to the fans, and then maybe they'll realize that assistance eh, is a little better. Um, but that's uh, that's just me being cynical, probably, and, and still not a huge fan of the Fisher thing. Uh, of course, he hasn't been signed yet. He's technically not been signed yet. So I, he's got a couple hours left, but no, I, yeah. I mean th- this should be the the Oilers are are three and seven in their last ten. They should. The Predators, the way they're playing right now, if they take that on the road with them, they should win this game, you know, four to two. It should be a, a really good game. We'll see Saros in that, so uh, it should be a good game for them. Uh, I'm just thinking of how funny it would be if uh, Fisher gets signed and then Ottawa offers him like a ridiculous amount of money just to come retire there, and then he like gets signed but actually doesn't play in Nashville. Uh, man, I'm just I'm a hateful person. I think. Mm. Uh, George, your thoughts on the on the Edmonton game? Um, uh, probably going to be McDavid just hating life and taking it out on on the Predators. Yeah, uh, I just remember last time how he made Matisse Ekholm look like a little kid oh, twice, yeah. and that and then, does not happen often. <laughs> no, no. So I'm, um, that was when he was just you know content with life, and he yeah. was thinking about that twelve million dollars he's going to make next year, and so now I think I'm now I think he. Uh, he uses some of that anger to, to push his way, score, maybe score a few more goals. I still think the Predators win, but, you know, it's uh, it's not going to be easy. Scott Hartnell today on the uh, postgame uh, interview was suggesting that Auberg would be uh, featured on the in the top six up in Edmonton, um, which I think is is pretty funny to think of, of Pontus Auberg. No disrespect to him, he just doesn't really produce well. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting to see him on a top six pairing, especially if uh, he could play up with... Uh, Make Jesus over there. I think you might start seeing a little more production out of, out of uh, Ponda Sauber. <laughs> it's um, the uh, what is it? It's the um, uh, the Neil Yakupov effect where they had Neil Yakupov play with McDavid for like the first twenty games. I think Yakupov had like sixteen points in twenty yeah, games. Right, it was incredible. And we're like, oh, so that's how good McDavid is. Yeah, he has a knack for shooting the puck off of his teammates' sticks. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's a good way to put it. I would say uh, I'm just going to go all in and say the Nashville wins this game five nothing. 
I don't. I, I just. Wow. I I don't trust the Oilers at all. Um, anger doesn't usually translate to good results on the ice, and this is a very angry team. Um, Nashville's playing so well. I think the Jets. The outcome of the Jets game will probably um, affect some their performance somewhat in Edmonton, but. Um, I, and I'm setting myself up here to be very wrong, but I just I don't think the Oilers even sniffed this game. Um, and hopefully I'm correct about that. The next night in Friday uh, on Friday rather they're uh, in Vancouver facing the Canucks. I believe they won the last matchup seven to two or seven to one, something along those lines. And uh, of course uh, PK Subban scoring from Sunrise, um, which was uh, certainly memorable. Uh, Canucks, uh, it's, the Canucks are a team that I just, um, you know, I never really think very much about. Um, George, you you're tend to be a little more plugged into the Pacific Division. Do you know anything about this Canucks team other than they're not great? Well, they're really not great. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brock Besser is Brock Besser, so. Right. You know, and I believe that they'll, they, they will have Bo Horvat as well as Sven Berchi, uh this time around. And so those are those are two top six players for him. So it probably won't be as easy. Uh, you know, the Kings won't roll over as easily as the as they did last time. But that's a game that the Predators should win, even if they're on the road. Even on the second half of the back-to-back. Yeah, um, I. It, it would be a, a big disappointment if they didn't. I'll say that much, uh, Corey. You're, you, why don't you give me a, a two specific prediction on this one? Uh, Vancouver with the upsets. Uh, no, I, I mean don't, the two thing, <laughs> the two things in this game that we have to watch out for is Predators on a on a back to back. They didn't play very well the second and third period versus Detroit earlier this week, coming off back to back, and then the Canucks have two days off before this game, so they're going to be a little bit more rested. Uh, are they still going to have uh, was it uh, Thomas Monick? Is he still going to be on the team? He's yeah, Van- traded. Vanek will be there. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm say, pretty sure he won't be traded. Yeah, I'm just saying like there's there's some speculation, blah blah. Blah. Anyway, this should be another game, probably a lot like what we saw against the Red Wings earlier this week. Uh, maybe a little bit of struggle at time, but the Predators should come out with a win. I seem to recall around this time last year, I don't remember exactly when it was, Nashville went on a very long road trip, like a three, four game road trip, and um, just put up some huge results and it kind of defined their, it, it really cemented their placement as a playoff team. So I'm hoping that this um, obviously, they're very much a playoff team already, but hopefully they can just get a ton of results on this road trip and um, and, and be very comfortably atop of the, the Central by the end of it. Uh, finally, wrapping up with a Central, the only Central Division. Oh, sorry, never mind. The uh, uh, second Central Division matchup of this road trip uh, in Denver. The Avs had a little, showed a little bit of signs of life uh, a little while ago. Lately, they've, they've fallen back off, currently sixth, in the central, um, although I guess all things considered, they're not really out of it yet. The only team that's really out of it, I would say, is the Blackhawks, as we all predicted. Corey, your thoughts on this Avalanche uh, matchup? It seems like it's this Colorado might, on occasion, have Nashville's numbers, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, ignore this one. But maybe you think differently. No, I don't ignore it. I mean, they're they they're twenty eight and one at home. So I mean, they play really well in Denver. That's where the you know obviously that's where the game is is uh, coming up. So I, I don't put anything past them. But again, now that the now that the the switch is flipped with the, with the Predators, is it staying on or is it we're going to have a little bit of an outage sometime during this trip? Uh, you know, Colorado's playing well. They play well at home. I don't put anything past them. But I, this should be another good win for um, 
for the uh, predators. Um, and that, you know, that, that's always what we want to see. So this should come out with a win on this one. Yeah, I, I would think so. And, and shout out to you for saying the Blackhawks are in last place. Yeah. Well, I don't like to dwell on it too much because frankly, I just, uh, would rather ignore the Blackhawks, but uh, mm-hmm. every now, every now and then when I pull up the, the standings and I see them just well behind, uh, eh, you know, it does the heart good. Uh, certainly won't, you know, they, they got their three cups, but. Uh, so no criti- I can't really criticize them too much, but it's nice to see them kind of slipping away into the sunset. Mm. George, you think uh, the Avs surprise everyone? Or, yeah. yeah, right, exactly. Uh, you think the surprise us, or does Nashville get things done? Through through Nate McKinnon, all things are possible. So yeah, pretty much. I, yeah. Um, I think the Predators win it. Well, actually, no. I think the Predators lose it. Uh, one After three games on the road, after pretty much just a week on the road, I think it's going to be very taxing. Um, I think that makes five games in seven days, including today. So I think the Predators are worn out by then. And I think yeah, that... I, I think, uh, yeah, I think that the Avalanche probably... Uh, I think the Avalanche probably overtake them. It'll be a hard-fought game, but... Yeah. That's just my two cents. Yeah. Um, I guess we better wrap up. We're, we're a little over time here, but uh, I'll let us everyone plug themselves. So, uh, Corey, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me, uh, obviously, with Predlines. Uh, I do uh, pre- uh, several articles. I also do a lot of the tweeting. So if you like my, if you like the tweets, hey, thanks for that. I like to argue with you about if we dip fries and Frosties and put pepperoni and pineapple on pizza. That's fun. Oh. Uh, we've had some of those conversations today. Also, uh, <laughs> J. Corey Francis on Twitter, J. Corey Francis on Instagram, and also my own website, jcoreyfrancis.com. All right. Then, George, what about you? Uh, find me on Twitter at georgem1019. Michael always says I don't need to, but the GMM are capitalized as always. <laughs> Otherwise, you can find me on breadlines, and it's pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at wadem1994. Wadem. There it is. Uh, <laughs> you got to be quicker on that. I, every time I think you're going to forget. Uh, yeah. Obviously, you can find me on PrideLines.com. Been a little uh, little uh, thin on that lately, uh, being traveling around, but planning to get back on board pretty soon. As for uh, the PrideLines podcast, feel free to find us on iTunes or wherever you listen and, and give us a rating. We would certainly appreciate any feedback um, and uh, a rating you might provide. So other than that, maybe see you next week. And uh, thanks as always, guys. Thanks, everyone.